these ladies down here have uh, lessons to hand out to you. You know, it's probably from teaching school for so many years, but somehow I think if you're looking at a piece of paper and writing, I just think you're paying attention. And I'm sorry, I just can't get away from that. If you don't want to write, um, you don't have to. But uh, one good thing about having a lesson in front of you, it lets you know about what time I'm going to be finished. Um, And I promise that won't be terribly long. The session after lunch is always the hardest one because everybody is full and sleepy. Um, But the song that I had Monica sing just then, uh, Settled at the Cross, how many of you, has anybody ever heard that song? I think it might be kind of fairly new, but it's got an awesome message. Has there ever been a time in your life or maybe even a day on a regular basis when you think, Lord, do you hear my prayers? Do you love me? Well, if you have any doubt ever that the Lord loves you, it was settled at the cross. He loved you enough to send his son to die for you. That's, if he never did anything else, that's enough for us to know that he loves us. That is for sure. Uh, we're going to talk about an elusive subject during this session. We're going to talk about grace. I started to have you all draw a picture of a cat, but I was afraid some of you would freak out on me and say, I can't draw anything and you can't draw stick people cats. Um, but if I were to ask you to draw a cat... I mean, even if you just put a round belly, a round head, and a few whiskers and pointy ears, you could draw a cat. But if I said, would you draw grace? Can you draw a picture of grace? Now, I know if I said, like, draw love, it's kind of abstract like that, too, but you'd probably draw a heart or something like that. Well, the same thing happens for grace. We might could draw some things that are kind of evidence of grace, but if you had to draw grace, a picture of grace, that's very elusive. It's kind of like trying to capture something, kind of catch something that just kind of keeps eluding you, like, what exactly is that? It's hard to, to grasp what that is. Um, Monica, I meant to grab, uh, would you look in my purse and see if I have a couple of $1 bills? Maybe, hmm, I don't know where I put them. They might be in my bill folder. I may have just dropped them in there. You see them, two $1 bills? Would you just hand one to the lady behind you right there that picked us up this morning, right? You took your pink sweater off. I still recognize you. Um, Would you just hand one to her, and would you just hand one to the lady right over here? And would y'all just start passing that around? I know you hate to give up your dollar bill. That's why I only made it a dollar. I was afraid nobody would turn loose of a 10. Okay, would you just start passing it? I'm going to tell you to stop in a minute. We'll just see where it ends up. Okay. So grace is just a little bit elusive, uh, but we're going to talk about what it means to have grace, why we need grace. Uh, I will put a disclaimer on here because sometimes it's kind of like that meek and quiet spirit we talked about in our previous uh, session. Uh, Everybody thinks you should be talking very quietly. Well, the same thing kind of happens with grace. People think, oh, just very quiet and calm and gracious. Okay, are there some things to be angry about? You tell me. Yes, the Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. So you just have to have the right cause. It's okay to get angry over some things. I think probably that's where we've lost it a little bit in our country these days. So many people think that Christians should not be angry about anything. There are things to be angry about. It just has to be a just cause in the sight of God. It's okay to get angry about that. There's a good way to handle things when we're righteously angry. But So anyway, just a little bit of a, a disclaimer on that. Remember, everybody says Jesus is love, God is love, and we know that he is. But you all have read the story like I have where he went into the temple and threw out the money changers with a scourge. Okay, there are times to kind of jump up and down about things. So anyway, that's the disclaimer on that. Okay, could I find out now where that dollar bill is? Would you just raise the dollar bill up, please? Okay, the two ladies who have the dollar bill get to keep it. 
It will buy you half of a Coke out of a machine. And Oh, well, she's just put hers in safekeeping. Okay, only women can do that. Uh, but anyway, I won't get you very far. But the point is, grace is extended all the time. I don't even know these ladies, and I should have had four. I should have had the first two that started with it. Just hang on to it. See me afterward. I'll find $2 for y'all. Um, but grace just shows up where you least expect it. You don't even know where it's going to be. And then all of a sudden, you're very aware, aware of the fact that grace has been extended. And so we're going to talk about that for, for just a minute this um, afternoon. Let's bow forward to prayer, and we'll get started. Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be here, for the privilege to be here. Lord, I thank you for these ladies. There's such a sweet spirit here. I almost feel as if maybe the lessons, even keeping it sweet, they don't even need it. But I know, Lord, that we all struggle and the devil throws things at us. And I pray that you might help us to learn something from the sessions that we're having today. Lord, I thank you for convicting my heart. And I pray that you might help me to say things well, give me clarity of thought and of speech. And I pray that you might help it to be a blessing to someone. Well, thank you for that. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen heard about a pastor telling his congregation about an experience he had had that almost killed him that particular afternoon. And in his desire to give God credit for protecting him, he made this rather inadequate attempt saying, if it weren't for the grace of God, I'd be in heaven right now. (laughs) Funny thing is, when we are in heaven, it will only be by the grace of God. So out of heaven by the grace of God and in heaven is going to be by the grace of God as well. On your paper, I think you have a list of, do you have a line that says seemingly effortless beauty or charm? Okay, I'm going to read each one of those, but before I read each line, would you all just say together in unison, grace is, and then I'll, we'll read. It'll kind of help us get a grasp of what we're talking about when we say grace. So, um, Gra- uh, excuse me, you say grace is. Seemingly effortless beauty or charm of movement, form, or proportion. Oh, you all are good. Y'all are good class. A disposition to be generous or helpful. Goodwill. A favor rendered by one who need not do so. A temporary immunity or exemption or reprieve. Divine love and protection bestowed freely upon people. An excellence, protection, or power granted by God. A short prayer of blessing or thanksgiving said before or after a meal. To honor or favor, as in I will say this, like you grace us with your presence, that kind of thing. Okay, go ahead. To give beauty, elegance, or charm to. So when we talk about grace, it's a little elusive. We can't quite, quite grasp it, but those are the definitions for the word grace. Um, Now, if you would just do this for me, I don't know if I left your room over to the right side of your paper, would you just write grace, G-R-A-C-E, and I'm going to give you um, a good way to remember. Okay, G is for generous, generous, R is for reprieve. Now, I'm from the South. You probably don't know what I just said, so I'm going to spell it for you. R-E-P-R-E-V-I-E-V-E. R-E-P-R-I-E-V-E. My husband says you all should get used to talking like this because when we get to heaven, everybody's going to talk like they're from the South. So I apologize. If you have trouble hearing me, just raise your hand and I'll repeat myself. Okay, generous, reprieve, and charming elegance. Grace is generous reprieve and charming elegance. Heard about a young lady working in a department store as a salesperson, 
and um, the sales started, dry, started dropping drastically once this young lady started working there. And so the employer went to her and had a talk and said, I, I, I don't know what's happening here, but we have to make some changes, and I just want you to think about how you can help our company. So not, short, not long after that, um, just shortly, sales started skyrocketing. They were doing unbelievable business. And um, so the, the owner went back to the young lady and said, um, can you tell me what you're doing now that's helping our sales? And she said, well, every time somebody walks in, it doesn't matter what they tell me. I say, fantastic. And they get so excited and they start buying things. She said, can you give me an example? The owner said, can you give me an example? And the young lady said, sure. She said, one lady came in and she said, I just got a promotion. And I said, fantastic. And she started buying things. And she said, my, one came in and said, my daughter-in-law, my daughter is on the homecoming court. And I said, fantastic. And she started buying things and I helped her and she just bought a lot of stuff. And one came in and said, my son's getting married and I need an outfit for that. And I said, fantastic. And, you know, she just started buying things. And so the owner said, well, since you seem to be the variable here, uh, what were you saying before you came up with this magical word of fantastic that you're using? What were you saying to our customers when they came in? And she said, I would say, so what? So my daughter's on the homecoming court. So what? My son's getting married. So what? I just got a promotion. So what? And um, just one or two little words can make a huge difference. It's just grace extended. It's just being a little nicer maybe than is absolutely necessary. But we're going to talk about this thing called grace. You all know the song Amazing Grace. I'm not going to sing it for you. Monica got her talent from her dad, not from her mother. I'm not going to sing it for you. But it's called Amazing. There must be a reason for that. There are other songs. I don't know if this will jar your memory a little. You all know um, the words, there's no other word for grace but amazing. Monica, I should have had you sing this so they can recognize these songs. <laughs> um, there's another song, Were It Not For Grace. I can tell you where I'd be, wandering down some hopeless road to nowhere with my salvation up to me. Grace is an unbelievable, amazing thing. And I think it, it is so amazing because it works against the grain of common sense. I think that's a blank on your page right there. It works against the grain of common sense. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. Some things just don't make sense. And I'm going to have to say, if I ever stop and think how many things frustrate me in this life, you are probably like I am. It's like, don't people have any common sense? Have you ever said that? Don't people have any common sense these days? It's not running rampant. I can tell you, it's not, it has come to an abrupt halt, common sense has. But um, we were headed to the airport um, a couple of months ago. My husband and I were to fly out of Atlanta. And as we were approaching the airport, there were huge billowing clouds of black smoke where something obviously had exploded. And I said to him, I'm not sure this is a good day to be flying because... It looks like a plane just crashed on the runway, is what it looks like from this distance. Well, when we got closer, we saw that it, it was not so, but I asked my husband that day, I said, you know that indestructible, indestructible black box they put on airplanes? He said, yes. I said, why don't they make the airplanes out of that? <laughs> like, does, wouldn't that just be common sense to do that? Um, before I came on this trip, I had to run by the drugstore just to pick up you know, the three and a half ounces of things that you never use that you're going to have to use to keep from checking your luggage. And as I was going in the drugstore, I was reminded that 
they have the handicapped parking places all around the door, and I had to park further away, which I'm perfectly fine with that. But why did they put the handicapped parking places all around the front of the store, but then they make the handicapped people walk all the way to the back corner of CVS to get their prescriptions? Not really sure what their thinking was on that. No common sense there. While the perfectly healthy people can run right in the door and grab their cigarettes. You know what I'm saying? It just Things like that. It's just... Just can't quite figure it out. So when we talk about grace being amazing, it's amazing because it goes against the grain of common sense. It just doesn't make sense that God would allow his son to die for us. Uh, I was saying to you earlier in the other session that we drag Monica around from pillar to post and make she can do everything. So we drag her around. But teaching junior high, you have to have a special calling for that. Does anybody else in here teach junior high? Oh, see, there aren't very many people called. (laughs) And if you ever did teach it, you've probably lost every bit of the hair you ever had and your sanity along with it. But anyway, occasionally a teenager, especially the young teenagers, will say, that's not fair. You know, we never allowed our girls to say that about anything. They would say, that's not fair. Did you tell them that this morning? Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't. Um, I never let them say that. But anyway, occasionally the teenagers will say that. And one day, Micah got hold of this one particular boy in a class. They, you know, he said, that's not fair. She said, I'll tell you what's not fair. It's not fair that God would send his son to die for you. That's not fair. So beyond that, everything else is pretty fair game. Okay? So consequently, the teenagers never say around her anymore, that's not fair. Somebody once said, um, why did Jesus choose Judas, whom he knew would betray him? And somebody else said, the greater question is, why would Jesus choose us? Why would he choose me? Why would he choose, why would he choose us? So when we wonder why he chose Judas, we don't really and truly, there's no good reason for him to choose us. It's just his grace that does that. How did we come to deserve grace after so many sins when so many people have never heard the gospel, not even one time? I want you to do this for me. I love to do numbers. I was an English teacher, not a math teacher, but sometimes it just is so neat to see how it calculates. Uh, Would you write down somewhere in the margin, right there on your paper, there are how many weeks in a year? 52. Okay, let's suppose that you go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. We won't even count extra stuff like Sunday school and Bible study or things like that. We'll just say three times a week. At least you're there three times a week. Would you multiply 52 times three? And I think you come up to 156. Is that accurate? Okay, this is if you're just a faithful, regular attendee at church. Now I want you to multiply it by however many years old you are. Now we need the calculator. I hear somebody laughing. <laughs> Surely the number is not that high. <laughs> okay, now what we didn't include in there would be revivals, Bible conferences, um, Family conferences, couples retreats, things like that. But this is just basic three times a week. How many times, if you've been going to church your whole life, I know you didn't comprehend much the first year or two of your life, but we threw it in there anyway. It'll make up for some of the extra services. Um, Mine came to 8,580. That means I have had opportunity to hear the gospel at least, well, that was at 55 when I did that, so it's added to that now, actually, when I wrote that down uh, a while, long while back when I taught this particular lesson. That means 9,000 times, basically, I've had opportunity to hear the gospel. I'm curious what the highest would be in here. Anybody have over 10,000? Oh, wow. 
12,000? Oh, yeah. So around 10,000 anyway. What's the lowest one? Maybe the youngest Christian or the youngest age? What would be the lowest number? 1,000? Anybody have 1,000? Oh, so more than that. So all of us in here between 1,000 and 10,000 times, we've had a chance to hear the gospel. Now that is amazing grace that God would allow that for us. Um, I put this quote on yours. When a person works, in, I think I did. When a person works an eight-hour day and receives a fair day's pay for his time, that is a wage. When a person competes with an opponent and receives a trophy, that is a prize. When a person receives appropriate recognition for his long service or high achievements, that is an award. But when a person is not capable of earning a wage, can win no prize, and deserves no award, yet receives such a gift anyway. That is unmerited favor. That is what we mean when we talk about the grace of God. Isn't that good? We didn't do anything to earn it. Um, so what should our goal be? I love these two verses right here. To show forth thy loving kindness, in, or this verse, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithful, faithfulness every night. So every morning, it'd be just like singing the song, thy loving kindness is better than life. And again, I'm not going to sing that, but you all probably know that. And then great is our faithfulness, you know, in the evening. It is true. Every day we live with the grace of God. Um, Heard about a little boy named Kevin who was given a slingshot while he was at his grandparents' house. And he went out to play in the woods. Well, it didn't matter how much he practiced, he could not hit anything. And um, he finally was defeated and dejected. It was time to go back to the house for lunch. So he grabbed a slingshot up and he just kind of walked dejectedly back toward the farmhouse. But as he was going, he, crawled, he passed the pond, and uh, Grandma's favorite duck was on the pond. Well, he thought, I haven't hit anything all morning. I'll just kind of skip a rock across the lake right here and see if I can scare that duck. But what he didn't know was he had just managed to be better at the slingshot than he was that morning, and he hit the duck and killed it, the grandmother's favorite duck. Well, he looked around. He didn't think anybody saw him until all of a sudden he caught his sister's eye. She was over by a tree close to the pond, and she didn't say anything. She just shook her head like, oh, man. So they went back to the farmhouse, and after lunch, Grandma said to the girl, her name was Sally, um, she said, let's wash dishes. And Sally said, Kevin said he wants to help. (laughs) And Kevin looked at his sister, and she said, remember the duck. (laughs) So Kevin went and helped his grandmother wash dishes, and then Grandpa was going fishing, fishing, and he was going to take Kevin with him, and the grandma said, Sally, why don't you stay and help me cook supper? And Sally said, Kevin would like to stay and help you cook supper. Kevin rolled his eyes, and as he passed his sister, she said, remember the duck. Well, this went on for like three days, when finally um, he had had all he could take. He had done all the chores he intended to do, and he went to his grandmother, and he said, Grandma, I'm so sorry. He said, I have something to confess. He said, your favorite duck was on the pond, and I really didn't think I was good enough to hit it. I was just going to skim a rock across the pond, but I hit the duck, and I killed it. And the grandma said, I saw you when you killed my duck. He said, why didn't you say anything? She said, I had to give you time to realize that your sister would hold this over your head as long as you let her do it. (laughs) And I see it's taken you three days to come and confess. And um, it's, it's a reminder that the devil does us the same way. He sees a lot of the things that we do. He doesn't know everything. He's not omniscient, omnipresent, all of that like the Lord is. 
but he sees a lot of the things that we do. He knows our past and not what we might have done or wherever we've been in our life, maybe overwhelming debt, maybe uh, immorality, maybe whatever it is, he has seen it and the devil will hold it over our heads as long as we let him until we say, not doing that anymore. And then all of a sudden we feel totally free. And that grace that God's extended to us, we say, I think I'm going to grasp that. I'm just take it and take it to us. So let's talk about becoming more graceful. You know what it means to be civil. You all know what it means to be civil. Uh, you know, like there's a civil court of law. There's a criminal court of law. Okay, so the civil, that just means getting along with each other. Okay, being civil means being nice and polite and kind. Um, but I thought this was interesting. A new statistic has come out just recently. The percentage of Americans who think that incivility, as in not being civil, incivility is a serious problem. Do you know how many Amer- Americans think that's a problem? And it is drastically in our country right now. 89% think that there's a problem of incivility in the United States. The percentage of Americans who think that their own behavior is uncivil, 1%. Herein lies the problem. (laughs) We see the incivility, but we don't want to claim any part of that. Um, I heard a preacher say one time, you can tell how good a Christian you are by how little it takes to offend you. That thought comes to my mind so many times because we do get easily offended. Well, however great a Christian you are, you'll know it by how little it takes uh, to offend you. When my husband first started working at People's Baptist Church, uh, we had an uh, older man that was our pastor then, and he told my husband, he said, I'm going to step around here. I can actually see y'all better without uh, hiding behind this thing. Uh, and he told my husband, he said, I'm going to tell you what you have to have in the ministry to make it work. Well, my husband was all eager to, you know, his last year in Bible college is when he started working there, and he got out paper and pen ready to take notes, and our pastor said, you need a tough hide, and a tender heart. That's all there was to it. And um, my husband said, I found out the tough hide comes quickly. If you kick an old dog long enough, the dog toughens up. You know, Keeping a tender heart in the midst of having a tough hide is very hard to do. But I can tell you this, if you're any part of a church leadership, you've learned to develop that over years. And if you didn't, you didn't last long doing that. Uh, occasionally people will say something like, I just had a lady tell me that something she said this week, and she said, oh, I'm sorry, I, I wouldn't mean to offend you. I said, oh, honey, I am not easily offended. If I were easily offended, I would not be in this business. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. Um, but becoming more graceful is just showing grace, just a refined part of ourselves that so many times we just let go. Uh, but what are the evidences of that? Uh, an increase in love is one of them. I think you have a place to write that there. Um, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another, it says. One toward another. An increase in love. I have to tell the girls at school sometimes, the teenagers, pretty is as pretty does. That is true. It's just showing that love one to another, being kind to one another. We have, we have weddings at our church, and I'm sure you have weddings at your church. But do you know what I have to do all of the time now that used to I didn't? I have to remind the bridesmaids that it isn't their wedding. It's the bride's day. So I realize you're worried about your hair and your makeup and how you look in the pictures. It's not about you. It's about the bride. Uh, Because people are just so self-centered, like we were talking about in our first session. Um, My husband says, um, mama bears are more prone to look out for baby bears than papa bears are. That's true. So we're used to looking out for people. We just have our own little circle we want to look out for. The signs in the Smoky Mountains or 
wherever you've been in mountains, the signs say, don't feed the bears. They're not worried about Papa Bear. They're worried about Mama Bear. If we just looked out for everybody like we look out for our own young, everything would work so fabulously. Uh, we have um, three grandchildren. Uh, one is a little eight-month-old boy, brand-new boy. We only have girls. I have daughters. I have granddaughters. We've just gotten a boy in this mix, so it's been quite interesting with a boy. Um, but the two granddaughters are three years old and six years old, and the three-year-old is spunky. The three-year-old is like Monica. The six-year-old is like Meredith. So I tell Meredith, you're raising yourself and your sister all over again. But the three-year-old, Juliet, she said the other day, um, I don't really like Avon too much. That's the six-year-old. Uh, don't really like Avon too much. That's not how she's like you. And my daughter Meredith said, Juliet, that's really not very kind. And why would you say that? And Juliet said, uh, well, I mean, it's mostly in the mornings. I don't like her. <laughs> so when we talk about extending love to each other we're like that it's mostly in the mornings when we don't like people if you're a coffee drinker you've got to have your coffee first I prefer my diet Dr. Pepper uh, most mornings but anyway we have to have something but that love an increase in love shows that we're growing in grace I didn't have you turn uh, to the beginning I should have in that second Peter chapter 3 but grow in grace Grow in grace. That's, that's the job and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ number two an, in, an increase in faith the answer to your level of faith is how much you love. True, godly love is not easy, but your faith should increase every year. I'll tell you a good way to monitor your faith and how it's increasing. My husband and I decided years ago that we would increase our giving every year, whether we had a raise or not. Well, can I tell you, there have been many, 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 many more years that we didn't get a raise, and our church takes good care of us. I'm not saying they don't. I'm just saying many, many more years not having a raise than having a raise in our income, but every year without fail, we've increased our giving because we believe that our faith should have grown enough over a year's time that if God took care of us last year with this amount, we can take another step by faith and give a little more this year and give a little more this year to show that increase in faith. Um, we had, um, <laughs> back when we first got married, I don't know if you all are familiar with Faith Promise. You know what I'm talking about? Faith Promise Missions Giving. And, of course, my husband was going to be on the platform. We were a young married couple then. And, uh, you know, they hand out the little cards, the little commitment cards. And so I got one of the commitment cards. I was sitting in the pew like everybody else was, and I took one of the cards. Well, we had talked and decided before time that we would give $30 a week to missions above our tithes. And so I filled out the paper and dropped it in the offering plate. And on the way home... Um, I said to my husband, I dropped our faith promise commitment in the offering plate. He said, you did what? I said, I dropped it in the offering plate. He said, you don't make major financial decisions in this family. <laughs> well, we've changed that over the years. Okay. My husband says that we had an agreement that he would make all of the major decisions and I would make all the minor decisions in our marriage. He said, 35 years of marriage, I've not had one major decision to make. <laughs> anyway... He said, Trish, I dropped our faith promise commitment in the offering plate. He said, that means that now they have not $30 commitment from us, but $60 a week above our tithe committed to faith promise. And I said, oh. He said, uh, $30 a week. You realize that was going to be $120 a month above our tithe. And I said, this is like 35 years ago almost. I said, right, 
That's a lot of money. He said, yes, it is. He said, so $60 a week times four, you tell me how much that is? And I said, $240 a month above our tithe. I said, well, we were just going to trust God for $30 a week. Let's just trust him for 60 He said, I don't want to trust him for $60 a week. <laughs> but anyway, we decided we would just trust God, and that was 35 years ago. And besides our tithe increasing every year, we don't make the kind of money that it sounds like when you hear these numbers. We've increased our faith promise every year, too. It may just be just a few dollars here, a few dollars there. But it is true, your faith should, you should be able to see yourself growing in grace and in that faith. And then number three, an increase in knowledge, in the knowledge of God. The eyes of your understanding, Ephesians 1.18 says, being open. Um, what changes have come in your understanding than when you first accepted Christ? I remember, I'm just kind of going, I'm going out on a limb here. Um, but anyway, y'all know what culottes are? Y'all, okay, good. Okay, we're, we're from the same circle. Okay. But I love to see new Christians when they get saved, and it's just a little, everything's a little elusive to them, you know. Well, as far as being on our property, serving, school, I mean, uh, church activities, whatever, we just try to encourage ladies to dress like ladies. And um, we had this new couple, it was a biker dude that got saved, tattoos everywhere, his wife had tattoos everywhere, and we were having a church activity coming up, and my husband said, now listen for this activity, you ladies, you know, you guys wear jeans, you ladies wear culottes. No, he didn't even say that. He said, um, he said culottes would be appropriate. I think that's how he worded it. Didn't say men or women. We all knew he meant. That was for the women. Lo and behold, if the new biker dude didn't come up to him and say, now preacher, when you said we should wear culottes to this activity, can you tell me exactly what that is and where I find that? He said, oh man, that was for the women. That wasn't for you, buddy. <laughs> you know, but it was just a new Christian totally oblivious to how things are done in a church. And I would say probably for you and wherever you've come from, you know worlds more now than you, know, than you knew back then. I had a lady in Bible study just recently, and we were talking about some of the Old Testament Bible stories and the lessons that you learned from them. And one of the ladies that was there, she said, how do you all know this stuff? You know, we take it so for granted that we know that stuff, but we really should be increasing in our love and our faith and our knowledge of Lord Jesus Christ. My husband and I were visiting a couple one time, and the man told us, he said, well, I've been holding off on giving my tithe to the church because I had some other needs that I really, you know, needed to take care of. And so he said, the Lord knows I'm good for it. That's what he said. The Lord knows I'm good for it. And we both left that night saying, People don't know the Lord as well as they think they know the Lord. There are some things the Lord's not good with. Okay. Um, I, my husband went back and told him that actually the Bible says if you don't give, you know, what's the equivalent of your 10%, I know it says in the New Testament, as the Lord has prospered you, he said, actually in the Old Testament they added 5% to the 10%. So anyway, just increase in your knowledge of the Lord too. And then number four, an increase in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, you know the list. Uh, I would say brown, ba- brown bananas are not a favorite of yours. They say that those are the cancer preventers when the bananas turn brown. Oh, no, 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 no. Unless you're making banana nut bread, throw those things out. Get some that are partially green. Right, Monica? Soft, ample, soft apples are no fun. Wrinkled up peaches are no good. Okay. By the same token, when we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, sporadic love, sad joy, harsh gentleness, wimpy meekness, those things are not attractive. So we should be increasing in the, in the fruit of the Spirit. Um, we're known by our fruits. We're known by our traits. If I were to ask you to tell me something that's unique only to your family, could you come up with something that nobody else knows? Yes. 
because you just know each other like that. Just like you know your family traits like that, traits, spiritual traits should be known too. My husband, um, he's crazy. He's absolutely crazy, and we love him. My mother tells me I'll never die of boredom, but he likes to wear early, early in the mornings before he gets dressed in a suit to go to the office, he'll usually run and get a cup of coffee. And he likes to wear black sweatpants, these black loafer shoes that he has, a black sweatshirt. Um, and did I forget anything there, Monica? I guess that's it. A Georgia hat, yeah, a Georgia hat on his head. And he'll run down to, I, I think everybody's starting to uh, boycott Starbucks, but before then, he had gift cards that everybody gave him. I'll tell you how many gift cards he has to Starbucks for his birthday. The church asked everybody, if you're going to give him a Starbucks card, give him just $5 increments. If you're going to give him 25 give him five $5 ones. He ended up with $945 in Starbucks cards. So... All that to say, they know him very well there when he comes through the drive-thru. And so when he first started going, they knew he was the pastor of the church, but he's not dressed in his suit, so they actually titled him the Ninja Pastor. (laughs) And they named a drink after him. I mean, he can send one of the other staff men to get his coffee for him, and all they have to do is say, we want a Ninja Pastor, and they know exactly how to make the coffee to go back to my husband. We just know each other's traits. We know each other very well. In your family, you know each other. Spiritually, in your family, you know each other very well, too. And the, it's not a menu like love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, faith, meekness, temperance. It's not like you look at the menu and say, ah, give me some of that love, maybe a little bit of that goodness. No, 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 no. We're supposed to be developing all of them all of the time. Um, okay, extending grace to others. Is that where we are? Got to move along. Sometimes we tend to want to outdo, outsmart, outtalk each other. Sometimes it's just survival. But grace has been extended to us, and we should extend it to others. Did you know that grace and peace are twin sisters? Wherever grace abounds, peace thrives. Let me give you an example. In your household, did I leave a blank out? Did I skip? Oh, I switched them. Oh, okay. I dropped my papers a while ago. I may have gotten them in the wrong order. Let's see here. Okay, can y'all just find it wherever it is? Okay, (laughs) okay. Um, Where grace is, peace thrives. For example, if, if there were an argument in your house that was about to start, but somebody decided to extend grace, and it didn't become an argument, if there's not an argument, aren't things much more peaceful? Yes, grace and peace are twin sisters, and they survive together. Uh, Jill knows this because I think I've told it probably before at your ladies' conference, Jill. We had two ladies in our church years ago that, you know, if men show up wearing the same outfit, um, they're kind of like, give each other a high five. Yeah, man, you got good taste. Where'd you buy that kind of thing? Women are not that way. If you have a friend who has a dress just like yours, you call her and say, hey, you're not wearing that yellow dress this week, are you? Because I'm going to wear mine. Don't wear yours. But we had these two ladies who showed up on um, a Sunday morning wearing the same dress. It was a polka dot dress. Um, my husband says one just had a lot more polka dots than the other one, you know. <laughs> and so one was a rather large lady, one was a rather very thin lady. And they're standing there looking at each other like this. One very small lady, one very large lady. When another lady in the church walked by and said, what's this, before and after? Oh, my word. <laughs> You're as horrified as the bigger lady was. And to this day, and it's been 20 years, you can mention a a polka dot dress, and oh, it starts up all over again. I tell you what! Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No grace, no peace there. 
Have you ever had somebody who just gets on your last nerve? At home? At work? Surely never at church. (gasps) In the classroom? Wherever you happen to be. Somebody that just gets on your last nerve. Yes, you have. Um, And we have several ways we can handle that. We can jump up and down and scream, but it's not going to help. But if we could just be gracious, and this is where my other one was. Okay, I'm going to mix these all up and really confuse you and me both. Here are the examples. If he says that one more time, I'm going to scream. Have you ever said that? Mm -hmm. If she does that to me again, I'm going to just slap her. No, surely not. If you kids don't quiet down in there by the time I count to three, I'm going to come in there and well the tar out of you. If that telephone rings one more time, I'm going to pull it out of the wall. I think I probably have said that one for sure. Yeah, just people get on our nerves. Things get on our nerves. Um, To be gracious is just to be kind. It's to be warm. heard about a school secretary in an elementary school, and every morning she would go by the kindergarten rooms and ask, does anyone have lunch money for me? And after several days, a little boy came in the next morning and timidly walked up to the teacher's desk and whispered, this is money from my piggy bank for the poor woman who needs lunch money every day. <laughs> hmm. We actually had a little boy in first grade, and he should have asked to go to the restroom, and he didn't, and he wet in his pants, khaki pants, sitting at his desk. And another little girl, seeing what had happened and didn't want him to be embarrassed, they were having a party kind of thing, and you know how kids get busy playing and they don't want to stop and go to the bathroom. And uh, the other little girl, seeing that the little boy had had an accident in his pants, she carried her drink and walked past his desk and just fell and let it fall in his lap to where nobody ever knew that he had an accident. Isn't that a gracious thing to do? Why don't we adults think of that? Y'all go pour some drink on somebody, okay? Say face one. Isaiah 30:18 says this, and therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you. So sometimes when it seems like you've prayed and prayed and prayed and begged God for things and he's waiting, oh, he's being very gracious. He's going to give you something that's unbelievable. He's just waiting that he can be gracious unto you. Psalm 130 verse 8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. Oh, don't you just, aren't you glad he's that way? Our goal is to be more like him, but graciousness means he's long-suffering. I think I did leave that on there when I skipped around there just a minute ago. Yeah, his graciousness means that he's long-suffering. Our breaking point probably varies from day to day, and on any given day, everybody's breaking point is slightly different. That's why we say it's the straw that broke the camel's back. It was that one more thing that we just couldn't take anymore. But long-suffering is actually two Hebrew words, the first meaning long or slow, and the second meaning nose or face or nostril. Okay, I'm going to tie that together. It's interesting that the Hebrew uses the same word to mean either nose, face, or anger. Maybe that's because anger is clearly seen on the face. Have you ever been angry enough to go, you know, it's like sucking your nostrils in and it probably appears like a longer nostril? It's because it's seen completely on your face. Uh, It takes a long-suffering person a long time to get heated up with anger. My husband says everybody has a temper. The fuses are just different. Some are very short and they really, you know, sound off often. Some have longer fuses, and it takes a longer time to burn. But when they finally had enough, 
They finally had enough. So it's just the difference in the fuses. I heard about Jonathan Edwards. Most of you know him from Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, the famous sermon. And he, he was the third president of Princeton. He's actually called America's greatest thinker, so that tells you how brilliant he was. But he had a daughter with an uncontrollable temper. Well, one day a guy fell in love with her and wanted to marry her, and he went to the dad and said, I'd like to marry your daughter. And Jonathan Edwards refused to let his daughter marry this young man. And the young man said, but I thought she was a Christian. And Jonathan Edwards said, she is, but she has the worst temper I've ever seen, and she would make your life miserable. And um, he said, some people only God can put up with, and we're just leaving her to him. He said that about his daughter, and I think she died, an old maid, never married. What about that? I love this story. The story is told about Fiorello LaGuardia. You know LaGuardia Airport, so it's named after him. But when he was mayor of New York City during the Depression and um, World War II, he was called by New Yorkers the little flower because he was a little short, five-foot-four-inch uh, man, and he always wore a carnation in his lapel. But he was a very colorful character. He would ride the New York City fire trucks with the firemen. He'd take entire orphanages to the ball games. Um, whenever the newspapers went on strike, he would go on the radio and read the Sunday funnies to the kids over the radio. He was just a very gracious kind of man like that. And on a bitterly cold night in January in 1935, he ended up showing up at a night court in New York City, and he gave the judge the night off just to be gracious and kind to him. Gave the night off. He said, I'll be the judge tonight. We'll see how everything goes. And so the judge left, and he took his place, took the bench himself. And in just a few minutes, a tattered old woman walked in and was brought before him, and she was charged with stealing a loaf of bread. And she told LaGuardia, she said, my daughter's husband deserted her, and I have grandchildren that are starving. They've got to have something to eat. And um, she said, so I took the bread to feed my grandchildren. And the shopkeeper that owned the store where she stole the bread was there pressing the charges. And um, he refused to drop the charges. And um, he said, it's a real bad neighborhood, Your Honor. She's got to be punished to teach other people around here a lesson. And LaGuardia sighed, and he turned to the woman. He said, I have to punish you. He said, the law makes no exceptions. It's $10 a day or 10 days in jail. But even as he was pronouncing the sentence, the mayor was already reaching into his pocket, and he tossed um, a $10 bill into a hat and handed it out to her for her to take. Uh, to pay the fine. Then he said, furthermore, I'm going to fine everyone in this courtroom 50 cents for living in a town where a person has to steal bread so that her grandchildren can eat. Mr. Bailiff, collect the fines. And they went around and from everybody in that courtroom that night, including the shopkeeper who was so angry and it was showing on his face, he tossed in his 50 cents with everybody else. And the woman ended up collecting $47.50 just because of the graciousness of a man sitting on the judge's bench that particular night. It's just grace. It's just something to be extended. You can increase in your grace and your faith but through God's word, through private devotional life, through troubles and trials, through public worship, Christian service, through other believers. Did you know that believers strengthen and stretch each other? Mm-hmm. I, I was telling them yesterday, I think, I think it was you I told yesterday, if I ever come up, up across somebody who just, you know, we, you know, it'd be easy to be ill with them. I consider it part of my spiritual training program. It's supposed to be helping me grow in the Lord. <laughs> and I just kind of go with that. But, but growth is a good thing. You ever carry a baby and you had stretch marks? That just showed that you were growing. Okay, that's the only reason we really like those stretch marks. But growth is always good. I'm going to tell you what I've done. Um, 
uh, I was telling my husband this week, uh, I was telling you earlier I turned 60. Well, for my 30th birthday, he took me and bought me running shoes. For my 60th birthday, he took me out and bought me a Fitbit. I said, okay, I don't know what you've got planned for the 90th birthday. But if I were you, I'd start thinking about that now, and I'd be very careful, um, just in case. But um, I'm going to tell you the hardest, part of, the hardest time of my life when I found it so difficult to be gracious, and I'm not saying it applies to anybody in here, but I only brought 150 of these cards, and there are like 250 of you. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. The people that find it the biggest challenge, according to my own personal experience, are the people between 45 and 55. Would you stand, please? <laughs> well, if you're between 45 and 55, would you stand? And this is what I want you to do. Can you girls help me? Would you please give them two or three, and they're going to hand them out to people they think need them. Okay. <laughs> um, y'all just go quickly and hand them some. Yeah, just hand them two or three. I'll just give them the whole stack. Okay, when you have two or three, you can sit down, and I'll tell you what to do with it. Y'all don't mind standing up, do you? I've been right where you are. I, I outgrew some of it. I'm still there on some of it. <laughs> if you want one of these cards, just see one of these ladies. They're going to hand them out for me since I don't have enough for everybody. Or ladies, as you're getting those cards, if you say, oh, my friend is sitting beside me. She needs it worse than I do. Okay. Um, so I'm going to tell you what's going to happen this week after you leave this ladies' conference. Or when you go home this afternoon, somebody is going to get on your last nerve. Oh, I heard groans on that. <laughs> Somebody's going to get on your last nerve either tonight at home, tomorrow at church, or Monday at work. I'm guaranteeing it for every one of you. It's going to happen. Not just the one standing, everybody who is still sitting too. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to keep this card handy. And when somebody gets on your last nerve and you could be so prone to say something, I want you just to say, you know what? Got a card for you. I'm just going to extend grace to you. And I'm going to give you another chance another time. And, and it will work. Um, everybody talks about playing the race card these days. We don't go there. We don't... Not talking about that. But instead of that, the race card, it's the grace card. Just give it... Somebody who upsets you, just hand them this card and they'll know. You may have to explain it, but you'll only have to explain it once to that person. Oh, they're already passing them around. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I told you I was married to a crazy man. I remember one time when we were young married. I'm about to stop. Am I supposed to stop now? I don't know. What happens after this? Do we wait for them to come back in? Uh, but when we were young married, we had gotten locked out of our house. It was a two-story house, and it was on a slope. And um, it was like midnight. Well, the lady across the street from us already stood at the window with binoculars all the time, you know, like this, seeing what was going on at our house across the street. And uh, we were locked out. The girls were little. There was no way to get in this house. We didn't live in a bad neighborhood, but there were burglar bars on the windows or iron bars, whatever they were called, on the whole bottom level. Well, so the upstairs window was on that slope of the house, slope of the yard going down. There was no way to, we even didn't even have a ladder that would reach that top window really very well. We just had a short ladder. And my husband said, you're going to have to stand on my shoulders, and you're going to have to climb through that window. You can lift that one up. It's not locked. And you're going to have to climb in and go through and unlock the door for us. So I stood on his shoulders, and I still couldn't reach the window. He said, you're going to have to stand on my head. And I said, he used to be six foot two. He's only six foot one now. <laughs> so I stood on top of his head, 
And I still was a little short of the window, but I thought, okay, if I just kind of, ooh, you know, I can get partially in the window. And so enough, sure enough, I did. I got just enough in the window to keep from falling back out of the window. Well, then, it's a long way to the bottom. He's moved out from underneath where he was standing. I'm hanging out the window. I'm sure the lady across the street was like, you know, even at midnight. And he starts leaving the yard. I said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to get a hoe. I'm going to have to poke you till you get in the window. What? And he did. He did. He went and got a garden hoe and did like this until I squirmed and said, stop, stop. Squirmed and fell in the window. I'm telling you, my whole life has been like that. My whole life has been like that. He's a lot of fun. But I keep a stack of these cards and I use them regularly on him. Okay. I'm just saying... Just extend grace this week. You'll be glad you did. It makes great memories. You can tell other people your stories. The Lord will use you to encourage other people to extend grace as well. Thank you. You've been a great, great crowd.